Hello, and welcome to the Biotech 2050 podcast. Biotech 2050 is a think tank chronicling the disruptions changing the biotech industry over the next several decades. Check out our website at biotech2050.com or on your favorite podcast listening platform. I'm Rahul Chaturvedi, co-founder of this podcast and today's host. I'm also the founder and CEO of Clora. Clora is solving the biotech industry's talent crisis by organizing and providing access to worldwide life sciences expertise. You can check us out at clora.com. I'm excited to welcome Teresa here, CEO of Intergalactic Therapeutics. Thanks so much for joining us today, Teresa. Hello. I'm honored to be joining you today for this important conversation. Wonderful. So, Teresa, to kick us off and to set the stage for the rest of the discussion, I'd love if you could walk us through how you got interested in biotech, the arc of your career, and how you got to where you are today. Yeah, to give you just a little bit of information about me, my background includes over two decades of global drug development and commercial experience, leading programs from development stage to approval to launches, focused primarily in ophthalmology and in gen therapy. I went into a career in medicine because when you lose a parent during childhood, it affects just about everything you become. My decision to become a doctor naturally stands from that experience. And I chose ophthalmology because I was passionate about treating eye diseases and curing blindness. I then went into an industry career, a career in pharmaceutical and now in biotech. That really allows me to balance the best interests of the merging of medical and business with what's best for patients, which is possible and necessary. Wonderful. Teresa, would love if you could talk to us a bit about some of the companies and programs that you work with prior to Intergalactic. Sure. So I've developed and taken several products through approval, most notably Ozodex when I was at Allegan. It was a dexamethasone bioerodible implant for treatment in macular edema secondary to retinovane occlusion. When I was at BioHealthcare in partnership with Regeneron, I led the medical team for the approval of ILEA to the launch, ILEA in neovascular AMD, and then went into the commercial branding team to launch ILEA in diabetic macular edema, retinovane occlusion, and myopic choroidal neovascularization. And following that, I went to a biotech called Airy Pharmaceutical that has recently been acquired by Alcon to develop topical rokinase inhibitor in glaucoma and took Ropressa and Roclatan through approval and launches. So that was my experiences in taking drugs from development to approval and launches in ophthalmology. And most recently, I've been focusing in gene therapy, mostly in the viral-based mediated delivery in using AAV, particularly in inherited retinal disease when I was at AGTC as the chief medical officer. And then most recently, I was president and chief medical officer at Korea Therapeutics, building a portfolio of ophthalmology programs for Korea ophthalmology. Great. We haven't had too many guests on the podcast that have a similar background to yours or companies that are working in ophthalmology. I'd love if you could talk to us about where ophthalmology as a therapeutic area is from a drug development perspective, and what are some of the opportunities you see ahead as it relates to ophthalmological indications? Ophthalmology is a wonderful therapeutic area to be in. Firstly, there's a high unmet needs for patients. It is very amenable to a local targeted delivery, whether you're using small molecule or biologics or gene and cell therapy. 
there is a significant limitations of therapeutics in this space. We've come a long way in terms of transforming medicine, in treating more prevalent diseases. However, there's still more to be done in this area. The eyes is a unique space as well, because from a regulatory standpoint, you can really get a signal very quickly based on functional endpoints and also structural anatomical endpoints. So hence, ophthalmology is a wonderful therapeutic area to be focusing on. And now let's talk a little bit about the gene therapy space. And we'd love to hear your perspective on the evolution of gene therapy as a treatment modality, and perhaps even some of the common challenges that are associated with developing across a number of different gene therapy modalities. Yeah, well, gene therapy has shown tremendous potential and produced approved products that have helped many patients. The development of new gene therapies have been bested by safety issues, technical obstacles, and manufacturing cost challenges that so far have restricted the use to a small subset of diseases. It is increasingly accepted that the limitations of current gene therapy approaches are often related to the use of adeno-associated viral vectors or other viral vectors to deliver the genetic material. So hence, you know, I was excited to join Intergalactic because I was inspired and motivated by the company's transformational approach to expanding gene therapy and its potential to bring profound change to patients in need. And Teresa, I understand this is your first time being in the CEO seat. I'd love if you could share what interested you about taking on a CEO role. And for those that are listening that are perhaps aspiring entrepreneurs or CEOs, what were maybe one or two of the more non-obvious experiences that you had stepping into that seat for the first time? My experiences in the couple of decades have really brought me to this, to the current position where I have developed the skill sets, taking and truly understanding drug development from research to development to clinical development, regulatory hurdles, commercial piece, deal-making, financing, building small companies, being part of a big pharma. So those experiences have really helped me become who I am today. And I am here today as a CEO, despite being a first-time CEO, in my last four to five years have really prepared me for the role because I was able to raise Series A, a Series A financing when I was at Asclepix Therapeutics, and most recently supported the Series C financing of $270 million last year. So it is important to merge all the experiences of having the track record for that. Another key important learnings that I have have been getting wonderful mentors, both male and female mentors, reverse mentors, and also sponsors who really have provided me guidance and also challenged me to become who I am today. So for young entrepreneurs or talents who aspire to be CEO or in the C-level suite, it is really important to build your technical skill sets, to have really strong emotional intelligence and wonderful mentors and, and sponsors to support you in your career growth. Yeah, that's great advice, Teresa. I know you started at Intergalactic relatively recently at the beginning part of this year. Something that I don't think is talked about often enough, particularly in biotech, 
is around mm-hmm. the emotional aspects of being a CEO. And I'd love to hear how you're dealing with the ups and downs of being a CEO. And obviously there's so much risk in everything that we do in drug development in our sector. And what have you found that has been working really well for you? What I've learned through my various experiences have prepared me, and I've been in the role now since January. There's a lot to learn in real time. The best way you know, to address challenges and the unknown is always to have multiple parallel strategies and tactics in play so that you can pivot, execute well, have financial discipline, be efficient and not lose time. Another key point is always having a high-performing team with you that have a track record in drug development to execute on the plans. Great. And so talk to us now a little bit about Intergalactic and where you are from a company building perspective and what you're currently focusing on. Yeah. So Intergalactic was founded three years ago. It was formed to overcome the limitations of viral-based gene therapy and develop best-in-class non-viral alternative. So we are advancing a revolutionary approach that bypasses historical drawbacks to gene therapy while broadly unlocking the potential of non-viral gene therapies for a wide range of diseases. So specifically, our proprietary integrated platform comprises of three core pillars to bring local non-viral gene therapies into reality and transform treatment paradigms. So firstly, our scientists have developed this versatile, programmable non-viral gene therapy technology called C3DNA, which stands for covalently closed and circular DNA. One of the key benefits of C3DNA is that it allows for the design and delivery of DNA vectors beyond the size limits of current viral delivery systems. Also, C3DNA is precisely engineered using synthetic biology tools to assemble modular elements into a closed loop, which allows it to be taken up by cells and expressed without insertion into the host genome. And because of that, it avoids triggering an immune response and allows for redosing. So the second pillar on our platform is really how do we deliver this? So we have a precise tunable system for local delivery called COMET, which stands for Cellular Delivery of Genetic Material by Electrotransfer. And this really allows us to work with different types of C3DNA therapeutic payloads and target specific tissue. And then the third pillar is our innovative manufacturing process to really allow us to enable optimal CMC scalability and economics. All that combined has potential benefits for patient safety and efficacy. Wonderful. And how large is the team now, Teresa? So we are 35 people, company in a 30,000 square footage facility. And we have a very strong team. I'm very fortunate to have a very talented, passionate, courageous team to execute on the strategy. Wonderful. And I understand you announced some exciting news recently. Would love if you could talk to us about the recent data milestone and what it means for your non-viral gene therapy platform. Yeah, at Intergalactic, we believe we cracked the code for delivering non-viral gene therapy. We have recently announced positive preclinical study results of our non-viral gene therapy platform in a condition called ABCA4 associated retinopathies. So this data for the first time showing that a single subretinal 
route of administration of a DNA payload encoding full-length human ABCFO gene resulted in a durable 12 months persistent expression of human ABCFO protein. These expression levels achieved are believed to be sufficient to result in therapeutic benefit in individuals with this condition. This is really unprecedented and it provides proof of concept for our non-viral gene therapy platform. Our transformational approach is really advancing a potentially safer, more effective, more versatile solution for gene therapy. Wonderful. Sounds like an exciting data set, Teresa. I'm curious, there's been a lot of conversation around the cost for cell and gene therapy development and scalability. I'm curious how, given all your past experiences and what you're currently working on, how you think about driving more access and scale for gene therapies? Yeah, manufacturing continues to be a critical bottleneck to the advancement of gene therapies. So we have developed an innovative manufacturing process of a goal of improving speed to market and also reducing costs to ensure widespread adoption or accessibility. Our approach leverages standard and widely available manufacturing infrastructures and really enables optimal CMC scalability and economics. So over the last few years, we have continuously improved the efficiency of this process and we estimate that our current process for production of non-viral gene therapy reduces cost of goods by multiple fold compared to AAV or viral mediated delivery. Interesting. Are you thinking of applying your technology to other therapeutic areas outside of ophthalmology long-term? Yes. We are focusing in ophthalmology as a therapeutic area, but we have the potential of going beyond ophthalmology into other therapeutic areas. Yeah. It's a great first indication or therapeutic area to pursue, just given you know what you were saying about the local nature of the administration and ability to rapidly get data from patients without all the complexities that perhaps are involved in other therapeutic areas as well. Teresa, zooming out a little bit, we're in the midst of a biotech correction currently, and certainly the capital markets and macroeconomic environment has changed significantly over the last year or so. And I think we're still in a period of uncertainty across many sectors, biotech included. I'd love to hear how you are thinking about operating and continuing to pursue all the exciting programs that you have going on, but in the mix of the current economic climate and how that informs how you're operating. After an unprecedented period of growth during the pandemic, life sciences activity normalized in 2022, and the life sciences industry has not been immune, as you said, to the macroeconomic challenges plaguing the global economy. But these short-term challenges won't be a roadblock for the incredible growth predicted over long term. The long-term outlook for life sciences is bright, marked by increasing attention on health, and wellness, breakthrough therapies, and advances in modalities. I believe in 2023, companies will push ahead toward that future and will shape market activity and drive progress forward in the life sciences industry. From an operational perspective, it's really important to address all these challenges and the unknown and always have multiple parallel strategies and tactics in place so that you can pivot 
And ultimately, it's very important to be conscious of the cash runway, to really have financial discipline, to create value, to make sure that you're creating value with key inflection points. And so that's how it is important to make sure that you have the strategy and the tactics in order to execute well on the plans. And given your expertise in treating eye diseases, would love to hear your viewpoint on what the future of ophthalmology looks like, both for ophthalmologists and for patients as well, and where you see existing unmet need, aside from what Intergalactic is working on. I know in the next decade or so, the industry will realize the promise of non-viral gene therapy and will revolutionize the field for patients who currently have limited or no treatment options. My hope is that this will open the doors to more and more therapies being approved for patients in eye diseases and beyond. There's been a lot of advancement in the ophthalmology field and with the most recent approval of this condition called geographic atrophy, secondary to dry age-related macular degeneration. And we will continue to see more innovative drugs that will be approved for patients. And I truly believe that there'll be more therapies to cure blindness. And if we zoom out now from ophthalmology and the non-viral gene therapy space, what are some challenges for the life sciences sector as a whole that we should be thinking about that perhaps aren't getting the attention that they deserve? I think a key challenge is that as a whole is really ensuring that you have enough funding to do what you need to do. I think right now hurdles exist on the regulatory side and also on the CMC side. It doesn't matter whether you're in gene therapy or cell therapy or small molecule or biologics. I believe we can continue to create efficiencies across regulatory manufacturing and industry by starting conversations early, partnering with regulatory agencies sooner, and really looking for opportunities to collaborate in order to bring drugs to patients with unmet needs. Yeah, certainly agree, Teresa. Before we wrap up, Teresa, I'd love to ask you to reflect for a minute, given all that you've seen across your career and the wonderful experiences that you've had, If there was one piece of advice you wish you could provide your younger self, knowing what you now know, what would that be? That the life sciences, biotech, drug development is not for the faint of heart. However, I think if to be successful, you need to be laser focused. You need to be steady. You need to feel comfortable being uncomfortable. Yeah. Great advice, Teresa. And on that salient advice, just want to thank you for joining us today, for sharing a bit about your past, but also the exciting work that you and your colleagues are pursuing at Intergalactic. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Biotech 2050. This episode is hosted by me, Rahul Chaturvedi. If you enjoyed this episode of Biotech 2050, please subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review. Also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at biotech2050pod. Again, that's biotech2050pod. Until next time.